Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you again. This week we do uh, Within Temptations, Mother Earth uh, at your uh, at your suggestion, Chris. I have to say I'm I'm looking forward to this. How are you, bud? Very good. And yourself? Not not too bad. Not too bad. We want to thank everyone for listening to last week's episode. Kind of a uh, a tribute episode, if you will, to Alexei Leho, who unfortunately passed. Uh, away earlier this month, uh, and we felt it was fitting to do a, a Children of Bodom episode in light of his, his untimely passing. So uh, we thank you for joining us, and now we will give you the uh, the episode that we promised. Before we do, I want to tell you a little bit of a funny story, that uh, something that happened. A buddy of mine, and this is a true story, a buddy of mine had asked me if I had heard the newest album by a band called Eshtador, and I had said I'd never heard the new album, I've never heard of the band. Um, so I went to check it out earlier today, and they are a Colombian, uh, I guess we'll call them a melodic death metal band, bordering on a little bit of black metal. Um, I had never heard anything by them before, but they had a new album um, that had come out, I guess it was in September. Um, and the album was called From the Abyss. So I popped it on and I just wanted to check it out. And as I'm listening to this, it sounds like really, uh, you know, good quality melodic death metal and, a, and an album that I could really kind of sink my teeth into. I thought the production was good. The guitar work was good, etc. And uh, the tracks, uh, there's about 10, out, 10 tracks on the album. And I get halfway through the disc and, and I'm enjoying myself. And then all of a sudden I get to track number six and it's called All She Wrote. And all of a sudden, I hear the familiar sound of someone who's definitely, definitely not a, uh, a death metal singer. And uh, I'm saying to myself, I know this voice. And I quickly, quickly realize that it is Zahir Zaghari from Mirath, a band that I know we're both uh, pretty big fans of. And I was saying to myself, you go from this melodic death metal to this, I don't even want to call it power metal, but this like melodic rock song in the middle of this album. And it was like the weirdest, the weirdest twist. Uh, I'm going to, I'll post this for everyone to hear it because I thought it was really, really well done. And after, after this track, the, the album goes right back to the melodic death metal. It's, it's kind of, kind of trippy. And I have to say, if I spent more time with the album, it may have cracked the top, the top 50. I just, you know, obviously I only got to listen to it once today, but it's, it's, it's definitely worth hearing it to hear uh, Mirath's vocalist on this album of all things. I think you're going to, I think you're going to uh, enjoy it quite a bit. Cool. Yeah. I would uh, definitely like to give that a listen. Yeah. It's, 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 it's different. And, and I'll, I, maybe I'll post two tracks just so you can kind of see what the, uh, the contrast is between the two. Uh, and one other album that I just wanted to mention that I kind of checked out earlier this week, another album from 2020, um, it's a band called Fleet Burner. Um, it has an American vocalist by the name of Ken Simmerly, a guy I admittedly had never heard of. But the, the lineup is, is a bunch of guys from different bands. And when I say that, you have a guy who used to be in In Flames and uh, Sierra by the name of Peter Iwers. Uh, the drummer used to be in a band called Mister. The keyboard player is from Kalma. And the guitar player um, was with a band called Equilibrium. And, and this album features a number of guest vocalists um, that kind of run the gamut. So I won't even get into that now just because I, I won't, uh, it's a little bit too much to get into, but um, the band had just a really unique sound and it was like a progressive rock, progressive metal hybrid, depending on what song it was. And it had like this mix between catatonia and anathema with like U2 and the gin blossoms. I've never heard anything like it. And I'm still not even sure if I loved it or if I just merely liked it, but it was different uh, and also worth checking out. So I just wanted to throw that out there as well. We'll put that up on our social media sites throughout the week. 
and uh, it's definitely worth definitely worth uh, a listen. Um, but with that, let's let's get to the reason why we are here. Mother Earth from Within Temptation. When did you first hear this album? You know, it's a little hazy. I, I didn't hear it upon its initial release. Um, it, it came out originally at the very end of 2000 um, in the Netherlands, which is where the band is from. And uh, so it just recently is celebrating its 20th anniversary, uh, which is kind of what gave me the idea, um, which I, I believe one of us probably would have picked this early on anyway. So, um, but I guess that kind of just set the wheels in motion for me to choose it now. Um, so it, I know the band got on my radar while I was in college. So I would probably say somewhere in like 2001, 2002, and it probably was either mother earth or ice queen were the first two within temptation songs I ever heard. And, and I remember uh, checking out the music videos for both of those uh, songs. And it, it wasn't until years later that I really heard the rest of the album, like, uh, within temptation was always just kind of on my radar a little bit, but um, it would be the years later, probably like Oh eight Oh nine that I became a, a really big fan of the band and, and went back and, and re-listened to this album all the way through and realized how much I really like it. How about yeah, you? It, it, it's interesting. This album, as you said, comes out in late 2000. It, it's not their first release. They had come out with an album three years prior called Enter. And I have to admit, I don't know how much of a listen I, I gave that album. Um, or I should say, it's been a while, to say the least. I don't know if I ever gave it its full due. I first heard this album around 2001, 2002. How I heard it is, is a little bit of a story. Uh, I had heard of the band, but the album was not released in the U.S. for many, many years later. I think until about 2008, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but the, this album, you know, was, was available in Europe, but I, I had never heard the band. I had just heard of the band. Uh, so I was using Napster and I downloaded the entire album and I, will admit this now 20 years later having since purchased it uh, I, I downloaded the entire album I remember burning it onto CD and I figured I would give it a listen and I and I didn't really know what to expect I knew that they had Sharon Denadel as the singer who I was uh, let's just say uh, familiar with just because of her work with um, Avantasia that that's really I think where I first heard um, her sing on 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 the metal opera part one, where she sings probably one of my favorite songs, "Farewell," a ballad with Michael Kisk from uh, Halloween, and, and that song put me on to her, which ultimately led me to the to the Napster download. Um, and at, at first, and quite frankly, for a while, I played the hell out of this album. Um, I, I guess I was definitely attracted to the two songs that you mentioned. Uh, the title track and, and Ice Queen. And I definitely think that those at the time were the, were the two best songs on the album by A Country Mile. But I played this album constantly because I, I, I had never heard anything like it at the time. Uh, obviously, you know, we've, we've talked about Nightwish. This does not sound like Nightwish. And, and I think the closest comparison um, that I would probably make is like 
The Gathering, maybe? I'm not even sure what you would compare it to because it has such a unique feel, not only at the time, but even in their own discography. Yeah, I have to agree. Um, you know, hindsight being 2020 and, and now that the band has, you know, released several albums, it's become pretty apparent that they're not really looking to kind of stick to just one style and stay that way. Um, I mean, and, and I think that this was the, the first album where they were kind of making that clear because the, the first album enter was kind of dark. Um, might, you might even call it like a do, like do me in, in a lot yeah, of ways. I, I agree. I agree. Um, it, it's a totally different sound than what they did on mother earth. And, um, and subsequent albums after mother earth weren't really very much like mother earth either. Um, so I think that, you know, this was kind of their way of saying like, um, we're, you, you never know what you're going to get, uh, when we come out with an album, it's going to be good, but it might not sound, you know, like the, like the last album. I mean, if you compare within temptations, most recent release to this, I mean, it's almost like two different bands to just happen to have the same singer. Yeah. Um, they, especially the most recent album and, and even Hydra going back one before that. So the most recent album is called resist. It came out in 2019 the, the previous effort came out five years before that. It was called Hydra in 2014. Uh, and, and I would argue that even going back to The Unforgiving in 2011, that, that those three albums, that trilogy, if you will, um, sounds far and away different from anything before it. And I, I really think The Unforgiving was a, was a turning point for them. Although I agree, all their albums sound different from one another. But I, I think they went with a really more of a poppier um, trying to almost like a radio friendly vibe. And I, and I, and I really get that Evanescence vibe, um, you know, back from when that first album in 2003, uh, Fallen. It's interesting. They are actually scheduled to go out on tour together, Evanescence and Within Temptation. But I, I know it's been postponed and rescheduled due, due to the, the pandemic and whatnot. But the reason I bring that up is I remember when I first heard Evanescence on the radio back in 2003, thinking to myself, Within Temptation should be on the radio and songs like Ice Queen would fit perfectly as a compliment to, you know, some of the hit singles from that album, which sold millions upon millions of records. Well, there's only room on the radio for one symphonic metal band at a time in the United yeah, I, States. I guess so. so. And, and here we are 20 years later. And, and unfortunately, we're still there. Uh, but, you know, it's it's it, it was it just struck me is very, very interesting that this band at the time didn't really hit it, I, I, I guess. In my opinion, they really took off after the heart of everything. Not that it's my favorite album, but I think that that was the album that kind of just put them on the map. And it's, it coincides with when you kind of fell in love with them, I guess, you know, right after 2007. Right. And, and now that you mentioned the whole Avantasia connection, that's definitely where I first heard. Cause I remember looking at that lineup of musicians and thinking to myself, like, she's one of the only ones I don't recognize that's on this list. And at the time, um, I guess Mother Earth would have just been released. So, um, you know, I had become familiar with them the same way you had. Um, I, I mean, it was even years later past that that I even went back and listened to Enter for the first time and realized how totally different they sounded on, on their at the beginning of their uh, of their existence as a band. Um, so it's hard to say that this album kind of like set the tone for what 
within temptation was going to be going forward. I, I think that their next two albums after this are k- kind of in the same vein, maybe not as, uh, I don't know exactly how to put it per se, but, um, they're definitely more, a little bit more polished, uh, production wise, uh, mother earth, sure. you, could, you know, you could tell is still kind of a raw sounding album, at least as far as like a symphonic, metal album goes there's definitely celtic influences um i think it there's um definitely like some very um atmospheric ballad type songs on here um uh, even just the album itself has a lot of different types of songs um i feel like it it really has a a a cool kind of like wave that it takes you to like it starts out right away with like a a heavy song but then you have songs like you know our farewell and the promise and and in perfect harmony and and, uh never-ending story that are are more on, on the softer side a little bit more of a ballad type song but then you know on the other side all the other tracks are like really kind of uh like heavy heavy symphonic um tracks like deceiver of fools and dark wings and and uh mother earth um so that i think is definitely something that within temptations continued on uh going forward as far as you know having really beautiful ballad you know uh atmospheric type songs while while also having these really bombastic symphonic uh like heavy metal tracks as well yeah, the contrast here is, is is one of the things I think I noticed on the playback. I, I happen to know the album very well just because I said I played that I played the hell out of it when I when I first downloaded it uh, and really never stopped uh, through the years. What I, what I think struck me more than anything is that there were being that it's been some time since I have listened to it, there were certain tracks that really stuck out to me this time around that I didn't pay as much mind to, I guess, back in the day. And and I'm not really sure if it's just because taste change or because I was kind of, like I said, I I kind of viewed this as a three song album with other cool tracks that backed it up. I I always thought it was Mother Earth, Ice Queen and Deceiver of Fools. Not surprisingly, I think that most people would probably say that, but it was this time around where other songs um, such as The Promise and Dark Wings really stood out because I guess I just haven't played them as much as these other tracks, and I loved it. And in songs like "The Caged," maybe one of their most underrated songs in their entire catalog. Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, the three songs that you mentioned initially uh, are probably were probably like the staples of live tracks that they play from this album. I think nowadays it might only just be Mother Earth. I don't know that they play much from this album anymore, but um. If you go back and you watch their uh, Black Symphony Blu-ray, which to this day is one of the the most impressive concert Blu-ray or DVDs that I've ever seen. Uh, I remember watching that at your place years ago when it first came out and and, and just remarking it's 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 fantastic. It's it's probably my favorite live uh, DVD Blu-ray release ever. I think it's that good uh, and I would put it up against anything. Uh, the quality of that production is second to none. Um, but even then, like you said, they, they were only playing a couple of tracks off of this album. And it seems like for the longest time, 
at most you would get those the three tracks that I mentioned earlier. Now you're lucky to get one or two uh, just because of with all the new material, they seem to have phased it out. But the irony is that they seem to always close with either Mother Earth or Ice Queen. So I guess there's something to be said for that always being the encore. Well, I I think that those two songs definitely represent the point in time where the band really kind of became, really hit it, I guess, like where they became, you know, a well-known band, maybe more so overseas than here in the U.S. I mean, they've become quite a popular band here you know, as far as bands that we discuss, um, they're probably one of the more popular bands we've discussed uh, so sure. far. Um, but yeah, uh, this those songs like they they were big um, big hits on uh, on TV um, on the whatever the the uh, European versions of MTV would be. Whatever I believe there was a a Dutch music channel called the Box because I remember downloading the music video for mother earth and or ice queen and seeing that logo in the corner for the box. And remember thinking to myself, what the hell is the box? Um, <laughs> you know, realizing that, you know, uh, not only would it become a, 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 a nickname that our friend Pat would give us, but um, it was also a, a, you know, an MTV style channel in uh, the Netherlands. Um, you know, it got a lot of play, those two tracks and, uh, those two music videos. So um, it's it's funny you mention it. I, I could be wrong here, but I actually remember the box when I first got cable here in the States. If I'm not mistaken, you could actually call up the channel at the time and, and I could be way off base. And if I'm wrong, give me a shout out. But if I'm not mistaken, the box was actually like a, a service that we actually had here in America at some point. I, I have memories of this station where you could literally pay money I guess it was attached to a credit card or something like that. And you could request a video to be played on the channel, almost like a jukebox where you, you know, like you put the money in and you request a particular song. Well, here you'd actually request the music video. And I, I mean, I, the problem was that if you requested a song now, you had no idea when it would actually show up on the TV. It wasn't instantaneous because you had to wait for everybody else in the queue to have their videos played. So it was, I never understood why it worked. And I guess that's why eventually they went under. But I'm assuming that this is what they were doing uh, in the Netherlands with the Within Temptation videos. Yeah, you know, that makes sense because I remember um, watching that video that I downloaded um, and there was like, uh, what do you call it? Like when you see the sports scores on the bottom of the screen on ESPN, a ticker, I guess. Ticker or a sports ticker with the score. Yeah. So there'd be a ticker like saying like, uh, you know, vote for this. And it would be funny because it'd be like some like mainstream song. And then like mother earth would be playing in the background, but exactly. I, I, I it, listen, Hey, the box would still exist. If Mike was aware of it, um, he'd still be sending the money to, to request videos. So I mean, single handedly keeping them in business, of course. Yeah. So if uh-huh. they had just reached out to him by then, you know, um, <laughs> so yeah, you know, going back to that, I, you know, I think it was, I think it's because those songs kind of represent where the band kind of, you know, main, you know, started gaining some traction and popularity uh, to me, especially like mother earth is kind of like, at least for me personally, it's kind of, it's the song that, really got me into the band and it's also the song that i think got a lot of people into the band so um and the crowd still pops like crazy when they play it you know we we talked about uh, a little bit about their live show and we talked a little bit about like the set list i just want to give you a little bit of perspective 
when, when I first saw them live, it was May of 2007, and they played the Gramercy Theater here in New York, which is kind of like a popular spot for you know bands that may not be the biggest bands that are that are that are touring. I believe it holds about 600 people or something like that. And within Temptation uh, was the direct support for Lacuna Coil. And, you know, nothing against Lacuna Coil. I happen to enjoy their music. But Lacuna Coil headlined and within Temptation played an eight-song set that night. And this was during the Heart of Everything tour. And as we discussed, they played Mother Earth and Ice Queen to end the show. And it was fantastic. But... As I've since seen them in sold out venues in New York City of 3,000 people, they have clearly blown up in terms of popularity. And the irony is that Lacuna Coil is still playing the Gramercy Theater when they, when they come to town. So they, they really have gained a tremendous amount of success over the last, I'd say, 12 to 15 years. Absolutely. I think uh, I've seen them twice now, both times at uh... – uh, the um, what was the name of the venue in New York City? Terminal Five. Yeah, which Terminal is, like Five. Holds about three thousand people. Three thousand people. Yeah, and both times played there. And-, and both times it was like jam packed with people, uh, multiple floors. Um, uh, the first time I saw them, uh, I believe it was during the Unforgiving tour, and when they played, uh, when they played, um, what was it? Uh, Deceiver of Fools. I had like an emotional moment. <laughs> I was, I'll never forget. I was in the back of the room on the first, on the first floor, uh, standing next to the bar with Caleb and Mike. And, um, and they just started playing the song. And I was just like, you know, I had had a few drinks and it was kind of like that perfect concert buzz. And like, I just like started crying. I was like, like, I don't know why. Maybe I didn't think they were going to play it or it was just, it sound, it was so powerful hearing it live, but I just yeah, remember yeah, like, I, I remember that. And because it, I, I didn't expect them to play it because it was almost, they had like, they had phased it out and they, they're kind of a static live band. And by that, I mean, the set lists don't change uh, from, from show to show. They, they change a little from tour to tour, but for the most part, they play the same thing every time you see them. Uh, and, and if you see multiple shows on the tour, you're not getting new songs. So that was a real surprise to me because I had never seen that song live. It was the biggest treat, uh, you know, from that entire concert. Yeah. And I don't think that they've been playing it since that, that tour. So no, no. Kind of glad that we were able to, uh, to catch that. Um, you know, normally- actually I-, I will say, um, I, I picked this up, uh, one year in the vendor room at Prague power, but, um, I believe it was only released, uh, overseas, but they released a, a box set, of uh, DVDs, uh, DVD and a couple of CDs of um, it's called the Mother Earth Tour. And um, if you want to see just kind of like what the band was doing live after this album came out and you want to hear pretty much every song from this album, uh, you definitely want to check out that uh, that live album and DVD and, and you'll hear pretty much that whole, the whole album plus a, a handful of tracks from the, uh, the Enter album and the Dance EP that came out shortly thereafter. Um, it's it's really cool. I'm glad I bought it because as a huge fan of the Mother Earth album, it was cool to to be able to see a lot of these songs performed live, like you know, The Promise and Never Ending Story and, and Caged and, and things of that nature. So uh, if you could get your hands on it, I definitely recommend it. I, I've never seen it. I, I have to check that out. I, I think it's pretty rare just because it's not something that you see all over the place. 
Yeah, I believe they did one as well for the Silent Force. I believe they came out with a DVD called the Silent Force Tour, and it was very similar. It was like a DVD and two CD set with um, the songs that they played during that tour. Uh, yeah, they've they've always been good about releasing um, you know live material like officially over the years. Um, so. Yeah, those I I believe both of those releases were uh your like European and Japanese only. The um I don't think they were ever made available in the US. I don't even know if you'd be able to find them on Spotify or iTunes. I'm not 100% sure. Um but I I definitely made sure to get my hands on, on both of those cuz you know, like for me I like I want to have everything that this band's ever done. Like I, they're they're one of my favorite bands and you know kind of circling back like this album kind of is where it all started for me i mean even now like i don't really go back and listen to enter all that much it's a little it's a little too raw it's a little too like it's just not the kind of style that i i've come to to want to hear from within temptation but mother earth like always just every time i hear it i i have to say i was a little surprised i listened to it earlier today i was a little surprised that I remember it being longer, I guess. It, it, it's a kind of a, maybe it just goes quickly because it's so good, but um, it, <laughs> yeah, it, it's, it felt it's, short to me. Yeah, and maybe it's just because of the way it flows or maybe it's because it's just, a, I don't know, a little different from all their other stuff. So it's it's always nice to revisit it. So it's like uh, it, it moves a little bit faster. It's been re-released a number of times. And if you just don't listen to the bonus tracks, which is essentially live material and one or two B-sides, the, the, the 10 tracks themselves, it moves pretty fast. The only knock on it I have is that it's just a little bit too ballady in the sense that there's really like four or five ballads on here out of a 10, you know, it's every other song is a ballad for all intents and purposes. And while I enjoy them and I love Sharon's voice over the, over the keyboard and the piano and whatnot, it's a little too samey for me in that sense. Still a great album, but it's, that, that's my one knock if I had to give one. You know, I probably at some point in time felt the same way. I don't know that I do anymore just because I, I it, to me, like these, these, like all the songs, of this album have just become so, so classic to me um, because I mean, they're 20 years old now, but I mean, I've heard them so many times and I, I think of, um, I want to say the, on the black symphony and you feel free to correct me if I'm wrong. I, I'm kind of going off the top of my head here, but I think that, they, that Sharon does a duet with Anike. Um, do they do the promise as a duet? Um, that I believe that's right. I'm trying. I'm trying to think back. I I think that is right though. That does sound familiar. Right? Yes. Um, and that the ver- that version of that. Yeah. And I just confirmed it with a quick uh, Google search. Um, and. and We'll we'll definitely post that during the week because that's definitely worth seeing two of the the greatest symphonic metal vocalists uh, duet a, a beautiful song. Um, so you know, I was thinking of that when I heard the song today. Um, yeah, I, I like you know it's 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 pretty much like a half ballad album, but um, the songs are so beautifully done that it's it's really hard to really 
uh, complain. Like I, I've, I've grown to really love songs like our farewell and imperfect harmony and never ending story and the promise. Like, Oh, they're, they're, they're great songs. Don't get me wrong. I, I don't want that to be like a big knock on the album. I, I just, it, it was a little samey, although each one in its own right holds up exceptionally well. I hope, I hope, I hope I, I make that clear. Do, do, where does mother earth, I guess, fall for you in terms of like the overall discography, because it is so different. Is this your favorite within temptation album or is something else has something else kind of eclipsed this over the years it's it's between this and the unforgiving for me uh i'm a big fan of the unforgiving i know a lot of people kind of knock on how they kind of started to, to stray a little bit from their the classic sound but i really liked what they were doing with that album i think that it's like super heavy but yet like uh has those hooks that really make it also very catchy as well. Um, I, I, I feel like silent force and heart of everything, like also kind of, um, also can be like kind of, uh, over ballady maybe like you, like you mm-hmm. said about mother earth. Um, I feel like the unforgiving, they just were like, all right, we're going to make like a, a full on rock album. Um, but, yeah, those would probably be my two favorites. I I always found that like Hydra, I enjoyed it, but I found it to be very uneven. I thought that the tracks that they did with the the four special guests were the highlight of the album, but then like the other tracks were kind of, Hit I guess, head. yeah, a little lacking for me. Um, I thought Resist was a little bit more, uh, a little bit more. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, even. Um, I, I enjoyed it, but it's it's definitely uh, showing that the band is moving in more of a, a I don't know if radio friendly is the right way of putting it, but definitely kind of a, a more pop oriented sound uh, mixed with that, you know, symphonic yeah, I mean, metal. I mean, they came out with a single for uh, two songs last year. I'm assuming it's on their album that's coming out next year. If you listen to a song like "Entertain You," they're they're moving in a different direction. There's there's no question about it. Um, for me, uh, this was always number one, or I will say one A, and the Silent Force one B. And, and it's not too surprising because it's really when I got into the band, and that kind of like sets the stage for everything else that comes after it. Uh, when you often hear something, you 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 hold everything else to the, to that level. So on any given day, either this or Silent Force will become you know like my favorite. If I if gun to my head, I think Silent Force is one step above this. But that's just because it was better produced, a little more uh, a little more uh, diversity in the songs. Although obviously there are a number of ballads on there as well. Uh, but but like I said, th- this album holds up exceptionally well. And I guess with that, I'll ask you, wh- what is your track of the week for, for this album? I-, I think you could go in a number of different directions, and I'm kind of curious to see where where you go. Yeah, this is hard for me because um, like going into it, I thought for sure it was going to be Deceiver of Fools just because I, I think that song is so epic. Um, I, had a, uh, I had an emotional moment <laughs> seeing it live. Yeah. It's really, really cool to see on the black symphony concert uh, done with like this full orchestra. Uh, it's, it's definitely very goosebump inducing for sure. sure. And, and it's one of my all time favorite songs, but 
I was also reminded that another one of my all-time favorite songs is Dark Wings. And I think, depending on the day, I could go one way or the other. But today I'm going with Dark Wings. I, I think it's just a fantastic, uh, just like a high-tempo, awesome um just a really awesome symphonic metal song and something that I learned today that I did not know or maybe just forgot is that um Aaron Lucasen from Arion is uh the guitar does the guitar solo in that song which I I don't think I ever knew so that's kind of yeah, cool I, I too. had no idea about that that surprised me as well I thought you were going to say Deceiver of Fools just because of the uh the moment if you will that you had with the song I was going to select Dark Wings as kind of a dark horse because I just fell in love with it more than ever this time around, having not heard it forever. So I'm, I'm glad you chose it because had I not chosen it, I, at least at least you did. But now it forces me to, to really kind of go in a different direction. And, and, and I, I guess just because how do you not pick either Mother Earth or Ice Queen just because it's their two most iconic songs, arguably – which one? Flip a coin. I'm going to go with Ice Queen, but I think you could easily go with Mother Earth. Both of them are just outstanding genre-defining songs. Uh, and quite frankly, I'm not sure that they've even had songs that were as good since, despite having albums, at least in my opinion, like like uh, the you know the Heart of Everything, where it's just or I should say the Silent Force, and and even to the the Heart of Everything to a lesser extent, but just maybe more complete albums. But those two songs are are the are the are the barometer by which I judge this band. So I'll go Ice Queen, even though I think that you could make a case for a number of songs on the disc. That's that's cool. I, I'm going to see if I can find uh, a version of the music video with the that was on the box with the uh, the ticker on the bottom. I just think that would be kind of like a fun blast from the past. Um, right, you got to post that just because, uh, especially if you can find the box version, just because it's uh, <laughs> it goes with right what we discussed today. Yeah, I'll see what I can do. I, I think back then I probably used some sort of peer to peer. I don't maybe I know Napster didn't let you download videos initially, and then they did layer on. But I, I remembered in college down like having like high speed internet for the first time and downloading like full music videos and watching full mu- music videos. And, and I, I, I don't know, I might still have it on my computer somewhere, but I have to see if there, if it, that same version is somewhere on YouTube or, or, or somewhere out there. Um, Cause it would just be kind of neat to, to see that um, especially considering that we discussed it a little bit uh, today. so um, And I'll say this, just one more thing that I think I want to I talk about before I have you rate the album. Within Temptations lineup has stayed pretty consistent over the years for the most part, except that the keyboard player on this album, Martin Westerholt, is no longer with the band. He, he left the band, and he's, he's actually the brother of the guitar player who is the husband of Sharon Denadel, the singer. It's kind of an interesting relationship, but Martin, who plays keyboards on this album, he went on to leave the band in 2001, and uh, I believe he formed another band that, that you're familiar with. Yeah, so the story was that um, he developed uh, mono and was forced to leave Within Temptation because of be- he was being Ill, he was ill, and after he recovered, uh, the band had you know brought in somebody else to play keyboards and uh so he decided to start his own little uh i think initially i don't think it was even meant to be a full-time band it was just this uh little project that he had and he 
he had Sharon come in and do a track and he had um, Liv Christine from Leaves Eyes came in and did a track and um, Marco from Nightwish came in and did a couple of tracks and but he decided to go with uh, a, an unknown female vocalist to do the the lead vocal duties on, on this album and it, that female vocalist was Charlotte Wessels and that album turned into Delane's uh, Lucidity album and it was released in 2006 and it was received so well that it became a full-time outfit and continues to this day where and he remains with them and, and he remains with them. Yeah. He's a lot been, of their songs. Yeah. He's been there from, from the beginning, but yeah, him and his brother, Robert uh, were, you know, founding members of within temptation. Um, and Robert is, uh, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure he's still a songwriting uh, entity in the band, but I don't believe he tours with them anymore. I believe he retired from, touring with the band yeah i i heard that as well like i cannot confirm that but the band the band actually has three guitar players he does do the songwriting and the lyrics along with sharon but i believe that stefan and rude actually do the guitar work on tour i think he's no longer touring i think that's right yep and and it also should be noted too um that sharon did not do any of the songwriting on this album she wrote the lyrics uh, but um, all of the music was written by Robert Westerhall, uh, with the exception of, of a few, um, you know, like cla- like classical uh, songs that were, you know, borrowed within certain tracks. But um, it wasn't until uh, I don't I believe on Enter she may have had some songwriting credits, um, but and on Silent Force she most certainly does. Um, but she didn't have any any of uh, songwriting credits on this album. This was all all Robert. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, and I guess that as time goes on, you know, she she obviously takes a much more active role in the songwriting. What what is this for you? Is this is this is this a ten or is it just really really close? Because I, I know you're going to rate it exceptionally high, and, and I don't blame you. Yeah, I, I don't know that. I don't know that it's perfect. Um, I don't know that I would give it a ten. Ten to me is like kind of rarefied air, but it, it's pretty it's pretty darn close. Um, listening to it again i kind of wish there was like one or two more tracks in all honesty like i felt like i wanted the experience to continue um but yeah i mean it's it's pretty close i I would definitely put it right at 9.5 yeah you know it's funny and and maybe it's just because it's been a while or, or what have you i i forgot how great this album was um I knew it, and obviously it's something that I listened to a lot in the past, but just with all the stuff that's been coming out the last bunch of years, I had kind of put this aside for a bit. This is a nine for me, and 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 like I said, if 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 I'll put it to you this way, I've yet to find a symphonic metal band that in this type of genre, I guess, that eclipses this album and the silent force they're they're neck and neck and it's as good as it gets uh they really i think hit home runs with, with those albums and and this is this is a nine for me and it's and it's quite frankly you know we go back to the best of 2020 episode i had a lot of symphonic metal bands in there and i don't think they exist without within temptation just because of the impact that they've had on that genre yeah and this and this album particularly i think really opened the door for this style because i mean other than nightwish i I don't know that i was familiar with with very many uh 
even female fronted metal bands at all at that point in time. Um, yeah, you know, I mean, like I said, the comp I used was the gathering, but I wasn't listening to the gathering in 2001. I wasn't. And, and, and I only found out about them after the fact, even though they precede them in terms of just when they started. Right. And I, I would even argue that the gathering wasn't really different. like this grant, this grandiose symphonic metal type band. They, they kind of were more a little bit kind of glue, like doomy and gloomy. Um, that's fair. I think that's fair. I just, I, I think the influence is there, especially on enter, but, but, but a little bit. So on this album, I think they moved away from it considerably uh, with the silent force and everything afterwards. But I, I, there, there, there's a touch of it here to my ears, but I, I'm sure that we, you know, not everyone would agree with that. Right. And then that, and this is an album just to put in perspective that came out uh, around the same time as, um, or probably a little bit after Nightwish's uh, Wishmaster album. And, I have to say, like they went with, they definitely went with their own sound. They didn't try to be a Nightwish clone or anything like that. Um, the vocals are are very different. Uh, Sharon just has a, a much like more of a of a willowy, like cleaner vocal. Not you know, she doesn't really do like a, a straight up opera style vocal. Um, and I think that that's another reason why it stood out is that they, it didn't sound like they were trying to be somebody else. They were, they were really carving their own niche in the genre, which I, I, like you said, like so many bands have, have gone on to, to copy what they do. I, I believe I even mentioned in, in the uh, best of 2020 episode that, I, you know, I was, I think I was saying that I thought beyond the black was kind of headed in the same direction that, current within temptation is going so i mean even their their newer stuff i think is influencing other bands um but but i mean to me like this album is definitely um a real a real classic a legendary album in my opinion um it was really great to go back and listen to it uh it's it had been a while since i listened to it start to finish and um now i kind of want to go and and watch all those those live dvds and you know, I love, like I said, I love that um, Mother Earth Live DVD where you get to see pretty much the whole album performed. And um, and if you if you can get your hand, I'm sure you, they're probably all on YouTube. Um, I'm pretty sure Black Symphony is on YouTube as well. Um, and I'll definitely post that uh, that version of the Promise with Anike. But uh, they also play uh, Deceiver of Fools, Ice Queen, and Mother Earth uh, with the with that huge orchestra as well. So. Um, Definitely worth checking out those uh, those those two uh, DVD releases, or even just the the audio format. Yep, well, there you have it. There there is uh, Mother Earth from Within Temptation. A fantastic choice, I have to say. I'm glad I'm glad we went back down there. Uh, I believe it's my turn to pick something for next week, right? Uh, so so I was giving this a lot of thought, and, and I was thinking about. You know, we've we've talked off air a lot about the Night Flight Orchestra, and we've talked a lot about uh, at the movies which is a project involving uh, Bjorn Street from, from Soil Work. And I said to myself, you know, we haven't done any melodic death metal on this show, and I, I think that's going to change. I want to do not just a melodic death metal album. I want to do the first melodic death metal album I've ever heard. Uh, and this goes way, way back to uh, 2003, 2004, when I heard Soil Work's figure number five. 
So I think that's what we're going to do next week, just because I know uh, how much of a fan of Bjorn's you are. And uh, I, I know that the vocals on figure number five are markedly different than that, than that on the Night Flight Orchestra and a lot of his work uh, recently. So uh, I don't even know if you've heard this album, at least in its entirety, but you're going to because that's what we're talking about next week. Yeah, I, I'm familiar with like a handful of tracks, um, mostly Overload, but um uh, the album on a whole, I am not that familiar with. I definitely remember Rejection Roll as well. I believe that was maybe the first Soil Work song I ever heard, which would probably make it the first melodic death metal song I ever heard as well. But um, yeah, I definitely look forward to this. This is definitely a band that um, I would not have liked when I was younger, that I've really grown to appreciate uh, now that my tastes and my palette for different types of music has expanded so i definitely look forward to giving it a good listen and then talking it uh talking to you about it yeah it's gonna be interesting this this is uh this is an album like i said this was my first exposure to that kind of music and it kind of just opened up pandora's box from there uh but but it never hurts to go back to the roots so uh next week figure number five by soil work and uh, with that, enjoy your week. And uh, you can go back and listen to uh, or watch some of those Blu-rays from Within Temptation, as I have a feeling that's what you're going to be doing this weekend. Uh, and uh, nothing but the best. If you if you like what you heard, obviously, leave us a leave us a review. Leave us a, give us a follow. It really does help to help other people find the show. We're happy with uh, with with the audience, which has been increasing every week. But by the same token, we 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 would be nothing without your support so give us a like and a follow and a shout out and uh, we'll come back to you next week with figure number five yeah we uh, i checked the uh, itunes store earlier today and it looks like we do have uh three five-star reviews unfortunately uh we don't have enough uh reviews yet f- where we could actually see the like i believe at a certain point we'll be able to read uh we'll be able to read what is being posted and when that time comes we will definitely read anything that um any comments that are are left or reviews um we'll read them on the air uh you know provided that they're not like just lambasting us for being terrible (laughs) Um, yeah and if they are maybe we'll just do that for comedic effect we'll figure that out when when the time comes but uh we know you're out there we just ask you that you leave uh we leave leave us a review because it certainly helps other people find the show Right. Yeah, for sure. So uh, for the people that have uh, left us a review and rating, we just want to say thanks. And uh, we definitely plan on continuing this uh, for for the foreseeable future, for sure. Yeah. And we're looking forward to it. So um, with that, we will see you next week. Uh, Have a good one, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Take care, bud.